Today, I'm going to tell you about a 2009 case that's been highly requested. And this case is really interesting. Maybe it's the creepy video. Maybe it's the fact that the whole family was just acting strange. Or it could be the slew of insane theories surrounding it. Today, I'm going to tell you about the mystery surrounding the Jameson family. Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Welcome back. I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster, and I do have to apologize. It's been a little while since I put out an episode, but everything is so busy because of Christmas, and I will have the Patreon episode out within the next few days. The Jameson family mystery is really strange. The family consisted of Father Bobby, his wife, Sherilyn, and their daughter, Madison. They lived in Eufaula, Oklahoma, and it really seems like the family had some issues. But I mean, most families do. But in this case, the issues surrounding this family really makes this mystery so strange. Bobby had gotten into a car accident in 2003. Unfortunately, After his accident, he was said to have suffered from chronic pain. Cheryl Lynn was also diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I think it's safe to say that both parents were at least prescribed medication in 2009. Were they taking it or not? We don't know. Bobby and Cheryl Lynn were receiving disability checks and this was their main form of income. The family believed that their house was haunted. The couple believed that there were spirits on the roof of their home. Two to three. It's said that Madison would speak to a spirit named Emily. Cheryl Lynn believed that this was a malevolent spirit. Some friends of the family would also come forward later and say that they believed that the couple's house was haunted as well. The couple was plagued enough by the haunting that Bobby had purchased a satanic Bible, and he claimed that he was going to use this to exercise the home. I have never read the satanic Bible. I have been told that there is nothing in there that would actually help you exercise your home. He also went to his priest and asked if there were special bullets that he could buy to kill the entities. Cheryl Lynn also claimed that she was a witch. She has at least one friend that has come forward and stated that she was involved in seances with Cheryl Lynn. It seems that the family had cats, and specifically black ones. The family had a shipping container in their backyard, and there was strange graffiti written by Cheryl Lynn on this container. A few things that she had written said, Witches don't like their black cats killed. Three cats killed. Killed Tinky. 
Only God can judge and gossip is a sin. It seems that Sherilyn believed that the neighbors had poisoned her cats. And I do feel that this could mean that the family was having problems in the community. Now, I want to talk about the shipping container in the backyard. I've often heard this referred to as a storage container, and the family may very well have been using it for storage. But when someone says storage container to me, I picture like one of those pods people put in their driveway, and that just isn't the case here. I work in international shipping, and when I saw pictures of this container, I can tell you that this is an actual shipping container, which means it's very large. Usually they come in either 20 foot or 40 foot. Sometimes you can get a 53 foot one. Now, if you're unfamiliar with shipping containers, these are often most seen on trains. So when the train is passing, you'll notice words like hanjin. They're usually brown or deep red, and they're stacked one on top of the other. So it does seem that the family was possibly having problems in the community. And it also seems that Madison was having issues at school. The issues were enough that Sherilyn and Bobby decided to remove her from school. It looks as though they were planning to homeschool her. About a month before the family disappeared, there was a man hanging around the house. Some sources say that he was hired to do some work. Others say that he wasn't just hanging around, but was actually living with the family. Whichever the case may be, Sherilyn often spoke about her partial Native American heritage. And this man, standing in Cheryl's home, told her that he was a white supremacist and he felt that anyone who wasn't pure white should die. This clearly freaked her out and she did ask him to leave. It was probably more like she told him to get out. I don't know how it went down step by step, but I know that it ended with Cheryl Lynn getting her gun and making him leave. She even fired shots at his feet on the front lawn to force him to go. And the strangeness does not stop there. There was also a dispute between Bobby and his father. The dispute had to do with a gas station that Bobby's father owned. I don't know all the specifics, but it escalated to the point of Bobby's father supposedly threatening the entire family. Bobby then attempted to get a personal protection order against his father. He claimed that his father was a dangerous man with links to prostitution and the Mexican mafia, but the PPO was not granted. And in the midst of all these problems, Bobby and Sherilyn get an idea. They decide to buy a large plot of land and just toss their shipping container on it, and they're going to live happily ever after. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about how strange this idea is, and I agree, it is. It is a strange idea, especially when you have a small child and not much of a plan. But this is an actual shipping container, not a storage container. And I don't know what the family's plan was, but I have seen shipping containers made into beautiful homes, restaurants. They make them into tons of things. But usually there is more than one and they're kind of connected and they do all sorts of work to them to make them really beautiful. And I just don't think that that was in this plan. 
it seems like this may have been a more minimalist, off-the-grid type of plan. On October 8, 2009, the family decided to go to the Red Oak area and look at a plot of land. Before they left, the security camera that had been installed on their house because of the issues with Bobby's father recorded them loading up their car to make this trip. Bobby and Sherilyn both made multiple trips between the house and the car. Now, this video is really known to be creepy. It shows the couple making these trips basically in silence. There were times when they would even stop and stare for, I don't know, like 15, 20 seconds. People claim that they seem mesmerized or possibly in a trance. Some people think that this means the couple was on drugs, possibly abusing their prescription medication or using other forms of drugs. I will say that no illegal drugs were found in their car or at their home. I personally feel that it's plausible that they weren't excited to buy this land and make this move. It almost seems like this decision might have been made in haste because Cheryl Lynn actually had another son with another man before she was with Bobby. This son lived with his father, but it hadn't been very long since he had spoken to Cheryl Lynn, and she made no mention of the family moving. It seems almost if the family was running from something, whether it be the people in the community they were having issues with, people that Bobby's father knew, or maybe the spirits that they felt were on the roof of their home. So the family took their adventure up the mountain to see the plot of land. They packed up their GPS unit, Blackberry phone, and their dog Maisie and set out on the first step of starting their new life. Because of the GPS unit, investigators can tell that they drove up the mountain and spent about 15 minutes looking at the plot of land. They had taken their GPS unit and their phones and everything they needed with them. But then the family drove a little ways more and parked on the side of the road. And it was kind of crooked. Some people described it as almost like a hastily parked car. I often park a little bit crooked if I'm, I don't know, in a hurry or if I think I'm going to jump right back in. So I'm not sure that I think that there's anything wrong with the way they parked. I think it just meant that they weren't planning on being away from their car for very long. I mean, after all, it was a very secluded area and they probably didn't expect many cars to be driving by. About eight days later, people start to notice that this vehicle has not moved and the dog inside is not looking so well. The car is locked. They report it to police, and don't worry, they were able to save the dog. Maisie was okay. But unfortunately, the Jameson family was nowhere to be found. No one had even noticed them missing. There was no place of employment for them to report to, and Madison had been taken out of school. Family and friends stated that the couple often took long stretches with no contact. They did not think anything when they didn't hear from them. But when the car was found and the dog was discovered inside, they realized that the family had been missing and for days. This was taken very seriously. 
They assume the family may have been lost because this was a thick wooded area with difficult terrain. Searches immediately started on foot, horseback, mule, ATV, cadaver dogs were brought in. A new search is underway in Latimer County for a Ufala family who disappeared earlier this month. Fox 23's Carrie Netherton is joining us live in our newsroom this morning. And what is the latest on this search, Carrie? Well, Anne, a large-scale search is planned for tomorrow in Latimer County, complete with a helicopter, horses, and 100 people. The family was looking to buy land in Latimer County near Red Oak, and that's the last place they were seen. The only clue that they had was that the dogs hit on a scent near a water tower, but they drained the tower, and they did not find any evidence that the family had been there. There were no signs of a struggle outside the vehicle, no clues outside the vehicle whatsoever, nothing that pointed to foul play. But inside the family's truck was where investigators found the strangest clues. Even though investigators could tell that when the family initially drove up the hill to look at the plot of land, they took their GPS unit and their phones and everything they needed to find their way back to the car. This time, the family took none of those things. The GPS unit, the family's phone, Sherilyn's purse, and basically anything that could be of use to find their way back was locked in the truck. I do think this is a bit strange since they had all these things readily available to them, and this was a thick wooded area. Other items found locked in the truck included $32,000 in a bank bag under the driver's seat, an 11-page letter to Bobby from Sherilyn basically ripping him a new one, and a picture of Madison on the family's phone, taken during their visit to the first plot of land. People tend to think that this picture shows Madison upset or in some sort of distress. I look at the picture and I think I have taken so many bad pictures of my children when they were not ready. And to me, this picture seems kind of normal. Just a picture taken at a bad time. What investigators did not find in the truck was a briefcase. No one knows the contents of this briefcase, but the camera footage of the couple loading the car showed that the briefcase should have been in the vehicle with them. Police were also unable to locate the family's gun. It's suspected that the gun was possibly in the briefcase. I do think that it's strange that the couple would take their briefcase with their gun, but leave their phone and GPS units behind. Another strange fact of this case is a few days after the family went missing, a call was made to the voicemail of their cell phone. It's suspected that possibly the dog stepped on the phone in just the right way to make this call. But other than that, it's really unexplainable unless somebody returned to the vehicle and checked their voicemail. The bodies of the family were not discovered until 2013. They were found by some hunters in the area, not far from a path, 2.9 miles from the truck. Unfortunately, four years had passed, and with the weather, 
and animals, these were just partial skeletal remains. The medical examiner could not determine cause of death. There was a hole in Bobby's skull that could have been from a bullet, but no one knows if it was for sure. The first theory in this case is that it was a murder-suicide, that either Cheryl Lynn had grown so unhappy that she wrote that 11-page letter and then decided to kill her whole family and then herself, or Bobby had read the 11-page letter and decided to do the same. Another theory was revenge from the man that Cheryl Lynn shot at one month prior to the family's disappearance. This man was cleared of involvement. The third is that Bobby's father made good on his threats and did, in fact, have the whole family killed. He was actually cleared as he was very sick and in like a hospital or a home, but he was very, very sick at the time of the disappearance. Some people think that he may have actually had ties to the Mexican mafia and they took care of the family for him. The fourth theory is a drug deal gone wrong. This is prompted by the $32,000 that they found under the driver's seat. Since the family was living on disability, it does seem strange that they had $32,000 in cash. But it seems like there was a couple of lawsuits filed by the family, and specifically the one between Bobby and his father seems to have left the family with a payout. The fifth theory is cult activity, and I guess that there was a lot of cult activity in this area at this time. The sixth is paranormal activity due to the supposed malevolent spirits the family believed to be at their home. One fact that I found strange but couldn't actually confirm is that multiple but few sources list the family's keys as being found in the car. Now, I do wonder if the family would lock their keys in the car on purpose. Did they have another set with them? If the keys were in fact found in the car, I think that that could have been accidental and led the family to actually lock their phone, dog, and GPS unit in the car, which would explain why they did not have those things. If there was no one else in the area, and it was known to be a secluded spot, possibly they went looking for help and didn't find any. It does seem strange that the cadaver dogs would not hit on the bodies. I mean, they would have probably spent quite a few days in the woods living before they passed away. When the cadaver dogs were out there, they probably would have been fresh. You would think that they would have hit on that. But this was a very, very thickly wooded area. I think that these kind of areas are very hard to find anything in. And 2.9 miles seems like so much more when it's actually covered in dense trees. Send me an email and let me know what you think happened to the Jameson family. Stay safe and remember, evil people are everywhere. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Copy, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
and we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast five-star rating, sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.